Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of The Figure Podcast. Each week we figure out people, numbers and images of the past, present and future. Shah, <laughs> episode five. That <laughs> is pretty good. Ten. That is really good. What did you do on your fifth birthday? <laughs> Ooh, I think... I'm not expecting fifth... you to remember this. No, I think <laughs> my fifth birthday, maybe I was older, maybe it was more like seventh. I had a Robin Hood party and it was one of the best birthday parties ever and everyone had to come as different characters and I was made Marion, obviously. <laughs> and my mum made me this really beautiful blue velvet dress. Oh, the dream. Yeah. The BBC uh, series of Robin Hood we used to watch on Saturday evenings uh, with my dad and the main Marion character was just I just beautiful. always had the Disney I just one. I just to liked to, I wanted to be a fox. Mm. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, what did this week mean to you? This week has meant Beyonce I in know. one word. Yeah. <laughs> but only recently. Yeah. So do you want to just explain how we came across this so, incredible Saturday night? So very spontaneously, I managed to go to a Beyonce concert <laughs> with two of my closest ever girlfriends in the Which space of me, I'm glad. Yes, to say. of course. In the space <laughs> of twenty four hours, five o'clock on a Friday night at work, a colleague um, says, "I've got tickets for Beyonce." I said, "I'll take them." Charlotte, <laughs> after one text, after from one me. text, Charlotte and I got them. And then in the, on Saturday morning, she said, "I've got two more tickets to sell." Called Maggie. She was driving from Plymouth to London, and uh, convinced her to come. So I didn't know it took very much convincing. I don't know. It got me thinking about spontaneity in general. I like to plan everything and make sure everything goes to, to plan. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Not at all. Spontaneity is so great. We had no idea we were going to go to see Beyonce and Jay-Z at London Stadium until literally 24 hours before. Yeah. And it was honestly one of the best things I've ever done or seen in my life. I think one of the top 10 life moments, mm-hmm. I would say. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Singing Forever Young, I think, would come <sighs> at the top. <laughs> That was so good. That was so So good. good. But my other favourite moment was her singing Resentment. Oh, wow, yeah. And I just can't believe the honesty and the way that they have just put everything on stage and made art out of their pain. Mm. I think there's a really good um, Carrie Fisher quote about that. Yes. And I can't remember the exact yes, words. Yes, about, about making... Making your pain into art. Yes. And I feel like this is what Jay-Z and Beyonce have done mm-hmm. in their album, which has just come out, yeah. which was announced... Dropped last night. Last night. Yeah. And it just closed the whole show album out, out now. Yeah. It was so good. And in talking about the pain and sort of the honesty that they... I, I kind of really rated the fact that he could come out on stage in front of you know, tens of thousands of people. And any time Beyonce, like, moved, spoke, raised her hand, said anything, the whole crowd went mad. Yeah. And he could come out on stage. Everyone in that audience knew that he had been unfaithful to her at some mm-hmm. point in their relationship because she made an album about it. And he could just go out and own it. You yeah. know, I, I kind of actually had and a bit of respect for him. Go out and, and, sh- and she could go out and own it. Well, of course, I mean, she... But, I mean... It's quite an inspiring thing to do. Mm. And mm. it definitely has changed 
has it, has it changed your perspective? Because obviously, ideally, we never want our partners to cheat. Has that changed your view or inspired you to think differently of it, given Beyonce as a feminist role model that she is? Yes, I think it has. And I think that my view of that is that it is her individual choice. Mm. And I think that we talked about this in the Helena Morrissey first episode on feminism giving people more choice. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is a really great example of how feminist icon she can choose to fight for her relationship and to fix it and to make it work for her mm. and for her children and the other thing is i think that when you have children it changes potentially how you feel about your partner right cheating on you. Do, you do you think though that in your mind that you you view their relationship any differently do you think yes you view, i do but i think do you think you view stronger it... So you view it as stronger. Yeah, you don't because think, I think oh, the scars he's... the scars make it stronger. Mm. And I think that about everything in life. I think mm. that if when you have pain and scars, it ultimately Are you not skeptical in the least part? Because I feel like I am. In a, in a sense, I yes. maybe that's a protective aspect of me, but I just think if my husband uh cheated on me, I I again, oh, I just don't know. It's it's not happened to me and I don't know what her resounding feelings were and we don't know their individual uh situation mm. but i feel like i'd be a bit skeptical about that mm. i don't know if i could but just then, be... as you said the sexual tension between them on stage <gasps> i mean you cannot make that oh up. my god they literally <laughs> should get a room like it was <laughs> insane everyone was just watching them like these are like teenagers they just wanted to sort of touch each other god, it was they it are was just it was oh it was it was it was absolutely amazing and also another thing that i wanted to touch upon which we spoke about earlier which was sex does not mean love mm -hmm. and i think that maybe i've been conditioned to think this or maybe that's just how i've how i think generally i feel mm. like if someone has sex with someone else and is unfaithful in that way i'm just like oh they immediately mm. don't the love is kind of gone or it's yeah kind of just, and actually that's really well, I think it's not okay, as simple as that. Coming back to Sex and the City, it's not which had its 20th anniversary uh, a Last week, week ago. Yeah. Um, I think that they covered that in the film really, really well with Steve and Miranda. Yes. Because... They so it, did. So they good. so did. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. many more figures coming up. We will talk about Beyonce. We will talk about Sex and the City. We will talk about their new album and then in the Louvre, mm. which I absolutely lost it But over. the resounding... Th thing is, is for this week's intro is that charlotte and i ended up seeing beyonce and jay-z live on saturday and it was one of the best things that i've ever done or ever seen and if you ever get the opportunity to see those people please please take and it. i'm the next time beyonce is on tour i'm going to try and get tickets immediately i loved it and i'm so happy to share that with you The first figure that we're going to talk about today is Jacinda Ardern, who is the 40th Prime Minister in New Zealand. She's the third female Prime Minister. And today is her due date of her first baby. No way! How did, yeah. we, how did we know that? <laughs> Which is really, is that really public good information. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Oh, okay. Um, because she's handed over... I think she's made her last public appearance, but she's going to keep on working all the way until she enters the hospital. Literally drops. Yeah. Gosh. And then she's going to hand over for six weeks to Winston Peters. Okay. And then after that, she will take back her duties. As Prime Minister. As Prime Minister. And her husband um, is... No, not her husband. They're not married. No, not married. Her partner mm. 
is going to be staying at home, I think, yeah. to look after the baby. That was something that I found out about Jacinda Ardern that I was surprised at, that I think a lot of politicians, um, particularly in the UK and America, they they have to have this sort of family values mm-hmm. uh, scope in that they're all married and they're all very happy and it's all very official. Mm-hmm. And she isn't married to her partner and he has the official title of partner to the Prime Minister of New Zealand. It's quite progressive. Very progressive. I don't think that would happen in the UK and America. I don't think an, a candidate could get away with that here. And I think in general, gender and equality and the way that people think and talk about it in New Zealand is quite different. Because it was the first country to give women the vote. Yes, I didn't know that. But yeah. I did know that from our first episode because you did mention that. Yeah. <laughs> really, really cool. Mm. Um, and New Zealand actually has a huge number of problems which I wasn't really aware of before I went there. For example, mm. a third of children live below the poverty line. Yeah. And they have huge homelessness problems and drug addictions. They've got the highest youth suicide rate in the world. I didn't realise that either, which was actually quite shocking. Yeah, it I'm, is. We don't really focus on them as, as sort of as economic being, power. As having lots of poverty. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, there's lots of poverty in our own country and yeah. in Western oh, Europe. Possibly so. But um, I agree. I think maybe it's the English as their first language. Does that maybe pop? Maybe make us put us in a, in maybe. a box. But but like you said, I didn't realize until I went to Australia and I've been to Australia many times, but I didn't realize until we were there this time that the issue between the white population, the Aborigine population, and actually the oppression. Yeah. And racism. Equ- equivalent to slavery and racism that we see in America mm-hmm. and England. Absolutely. Uh, and in I'm, New Zealand, you can't even compare it. The Maori population are the way that Jacinda's government, in particular, have really pushed to bring these mm. this partnership together. Mm. Um, is really really inspiring. Mm. And I was actually in New Zealand on this day, which is called Waitangi Day, and it's when the peace treaty essentially was signed between all the different tribes of New Zealand, um, and the white people who had come to live there as well and so it was the end of lots of internal battles and fights and for years and years it's been quite it's still been a controversial day there's been lots of conflict and violence but Jacinda was actually invited to spend five days in the very northern part which was where Waitangi is I think and it was really peaceful and it was just a real step forward in the relationship between the Maori people and the white people. Mm. So, and they've also made um, the Maori language a real integral part of the school education system, which I think is so important really because, cool. and it's really cool because you have, it's almost maybe like Wales, potentially, how you have English and Welsh and like road signs and stuff like that because it is very integrated into mm. the way, into their culture and the way that they express things and stories. And also the All Blacks, which is the New Zealand yes. rugby team, are the most um, successful sports team in the whole world. I think they have a 92% uh, success rate in terms of matches that they've won. They're complete machines. They're, <laughs> they literally are amazing. There's this incredible well, documentary on Netflix that I'm watching at the moment about oh, really? the team. And it's, it's seriously impressive. And similarly in Australia, uh, when we were there, we were there during Australia Day, which is 25th of January. I was also there, yeah. And there's a lot of 
discussion around why there is still this idea of Australia Day and the controversy behind it. And a lot of people refuse to celebrate it because it's basically about colonialism. It's it's celebrating the day um, where Australia was conquered by the British and the mm-hmm. French. It was when the first fleet arrived. In Sydney. It was yeah. just north of Sydney. Uh, Which is a very weird day to celebrate. Mm. But, well, because what happened was that they basically obliterated all of the aboriginal populations mm-hmm. and that's what came from yes. that first landing yes. of the fleet. yeah yeah and also the uh, population in melbourne and tasmania were also taken out um and replaced with british officials mm-hmm. and then that's when the sydney melbourne rivalry started was actually who could kind of economically progress faster yeah and more successfully and then they created canberra because they couldn't decide which, yes yes <laughs> exactly 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 and i'm very very partial to melbourne because i love the city so much anyway um but yes so so but that was that kind of got me thinking when i was there about british colonialism and actually how many countries that britain conquered and just completely destroyed in terms of we took everything that we could out of them mm-hmm. and then left. Yeah. Same with India, same with Australia, yeah. America. Yeah. yeah, it's just kind of yeah. Africa, South Africa. But anyway, Jacinda mm. is probably going to be in the newspapers this week, depending on when her little baby arrives. Yeah. And I just wanted to ask your view. Ooh, so okay. she is taking six weeks maternity leave. Yes. Do you think that that is the right amount of time like what are your thoughts on that number six weeks um (laughs) (laughs) it's a very individual question it's such an individual question and i would reply with it is completely up to the mother as to how many weeks months years that she wants to take out of having a child i think if you never want to work again completely fine if you want to go back after two weeks that's completely up to you I don't feel like I can sit here and say this is better than others. What I will say, though, is as a prime minister of a country, I think that it would be daft to suggest that you... (laughs) Could take a huge amount more than that. Yeah. Mm. I would feel uncomfortable about doing that if I was was a prime minister. If If I was to say, okay, I'm prime minister, I'm going to take six months off. You know, yeah. you've got a four-year term. Yeah. That's a large part of that that term. And I, I mm-hmm. don't think that's necessarily correct. And I'll be interested to see how long Ruth Davison takes off as maternity mm. leave as well. Because I haven't read how, lo- how long she's planning on taking off. But she is um, pregnant at the moment with um, her mm-hmm. partner, Jen. And... Yeah, I think we'll have more pregnancy politics in our newspapers. Absolutely. Um, and, it, and I like that year. it's more of a conversation. You know, we can have a conversation about that. One thing that I found interesting is I've had a few conversations with various individuals about Jacinda Arden. And a few people have highlighted to me that they don't think that it's right that if you are going into a position of leadership, such as a prime minister or a president and you know that you're going to be pregnant, that that's okay to do so, or the possibility that you could be pregnant. Mm. And my response to this was, I can actually see where you're coming from completely. I would find it very weird to a woman who is in her mid-30s, who is in a committed relationship, who wants to have children, to run for the office of Prime Minister, because you want to dedicate your four years 
as much as you can and you want to be able to get as much done as possible having a child is going to take up a lot of your time but if we make those sanctions and those judgments against those women that's going to trickle down into women of all industries and it's going to mean that we can't hire women as ceos as leaders of all sorts of business and leadership roles mm. because we are using that example and that's what my retort is to anyone Agreed. who suggests that. But I can understand where they're coming from. Yeah. I can completely and understand I it. Did re- I read a very good article um, by Casey Quackenbush. And she was saying how... I know, really yeah, good name. Great name. Um, she was saying how this, even just as something that's happening, it's going to be so beneficial not only to women, but also to men to see these role mm. models. Mm. And that is, I think that... Jacinda Ardern struggles sometimes with the same superwoman label that Helena yeah. Morrissey does. Yes. But I still think it is important to have those role models because you can't be what you can't see. Yeah. And I think it's fantastic what she's doing. But actually, she didn't necessarily make this choice. So let's put it into context in the case of Jacinda. Yeah. So she's the youngest second youngest leader. oh sorry no, youngest, youngest world, female world, world, leader. world leader i think second only... youngest prime minister of new zealand okay um so she was only 37 yeah. when she came to office yeah she, Incredible. she Incredible. became the leader of the labor party in august 2017 oh my gosh. she became prime minister in october 2017 i think found out she was pregnant six Just... days before she became prime, prime minister. minister yeah so and they also had um, fertility issues, from what mm. I understand. So I don't think they were ever expecting to fall pregnant. Mm. I don't think that it was planned. Yeah. And at age thirty-seven, with the person that you're committed to, and I mean, why would you? Yeah. And also, I think what's also great about this is the fact that she can be prime minister. She'll take six months maternity leave. Six like, weeks. Six. Sorry, six weeks, like you said, and then her partner will take over. And again, you can't be what you can't see. It means that any other women out there who are in positions, who are are working full stop, can go, actually, my husband or my partner Mm. can do as much as I can Mm -hmm. in in the same capacity is great. It means that there is so much more freedom and much less pressure on women being the sole providers of childcare Mm -hmm. and support. And also it means that men can then take paternity leave yeah which is so important without any kind of stigma stigma mm. which sweden have done an amazing yeah. job of that yeah yeah i feel like it's only think, just beginning to trickle down into our generations i think it's going to take a very long time but i don't think it'll be until our children are having children to it becoming normal mm. this yeah. child was completely fully supported mm-hmm. its mother happened to be prime minister but mm-hmm. actually that was amazing because look what she is doing mm-hmm. you know she was the first New Zealand Prime Minister to ever march in a gay pride parade. She's taken yep. abortion out of being a criminal offence. She's raised the minimum wage. She's raised... She is so... She marched she, in the anti-Trump protest absolutely, when he was you know, elected. And this, so her child is only going to be proud. And to have, to have the father as the main caregiver for the first two years is definitely not a hindrance on its development. No, because she's still going to be part of its life. Of course, of course. Um, and I just love all the anecdotes around her. I'm just going to tell one before we yes. wrap this up. So she actually won most likely to become prime minister in her yearbook. That's fantastic. (laughs) Which I really love. And um, she also said that the only change in terms of her 
like what she's able to wear since she's been pregnant mm. is that she's just much more limited on her footwear and so she just wears slippers the whole time oh i love which that. i really love i wish I we could all wear slippers all the time so shar a question for you what were you most likely to in your yearbook <laughs> i can't believe you asked that i was poshest wow <laughs> what a surprise <laughs> <laughs> is 950 million hours are spent on Facebook every day. And the reason that that came to our attention is because as of January 2018, that has gone down by 50 million per day. Which is mind-blowing. Yes, it is mind-blowing. The bit of going down by 50 million doesn't surprise me, though. Not at all. I think our generation have used Facebook in the last year and a half much less mm-hmm. i think facebook became so mainstream yes. that it became cool to not use facebook use facebook because it wasn't because it was so mainstream yeah. yeah yeah i agree what i find really interesting is the way that different generations use facebook yeah and how a few years below us you just get nothing <laughs> yeah a few years above us Everything. You get everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get every baby photo. Not that yeah. I don't yeah. like it. I love and baby photos. And school photos and all of that. <clears throat> yeah. And I find it really interesting to see which people are really wanting to share every single detail of their life and which people really, really don't. Mm. And I love parents on Facebook. That makes me laugh a lot because sometimes they don't know how to use it. Yeah. <laughs> and I've had people... I know that they're trying to write me a message, but they've put it as their status. Yes. <laughs> or I know when my dad has gone on Facebook, he is on Facebook very occasionally, and uh, I'll get about 12 notifications through at one time because he's liked every single <laughs> yes. post or photo that I've posted in the last two months. I love it. At the same time. And my stepfather is the same. They both do the same thing. And I'll just get all of these notifications at once. You have 12 new notifications. Yes, and it's the same on Instagram. They're both the same. Yeah. They're both the same. So, yeah, that's very, very true. Um, I think what's interesting to note is fact that it's become very normal to just scroll through yes. facebook at any given time whenever you have a, a scroll dull through anything mm. through anything but any, anytime you have a dull moment or something you're not you're not doing anything or you're traveling it's just scrolling through facebook and it's funny videos funny memes you know tagging friends and other things mm-hmm. but always connect to that i think the fear is that not being connected to that means that we're going to be missing out and i went to a very interesting talk by um, Jaron Lanier on Thursday, um, which was put on by the How To Academy. And he basically was putting this idea forward as to the reason that you should delete your social media accounts right now. And were you convinced? I was very convinced, um, other than the fact that we have this podcast that I really want people to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> and we need social media, uh, we to, need spread social media to spread the word. And my mum was sitting there as well and thinking, what about LinkedIn? And we were so sucked into this view of, oh, we need to have the perfect LinkedIn account because people need to find us and we need to be respected professionally. Or on Facebook, it's like we need to be respected socially and people need to think that we're really cool. and. Mm-hmm. And Instagram, and the, we need to be the best photographers and we ever. Need, and we have this fear that if we delete LinkedIn, if we delete Facebook, if we delete Instagram, that we're not going to be able to have any career prospects. We're not going to be able to be in the sort of uh, 
social realms of mm-hmm. our peers who are going to miss it's, out it's, yeah it's the fear of missing out it's the fear of missing out but it's also it's so fake this 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 idea that on you know for example linkedin or facebook is like we recommend each other and we're doing mm-hmm. this likes and it's all validation that mm-hmm. we don't and you can actually be facebook need. friends with somebody we but... don't actually need this validation like we are we can say to someone oh if you approve of me on linkedin i'll approve of you on linkedin great like so what we're doing a we're 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 doing a behind the scenes kind of exchange, deal isn't it? Yeah. to just outwardly look as though we've, mm. we're on top of it and actually what does that prove and the fact that we're addicted to it means that the amount of data that we're uploading to these sites to linkedin to facebook to instagram means that all of the prospective jobs out there and all the companies out there are collecting this data and it means that we can then create automated robots and automated people to uh, essentially do what we're doing and essentially embody us. So actually we're wow. inhibiting our employability by putting all of that data That's such online. an interesting perspective. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting that he was talking about being addicted to social media as well because Completely I read addicted. this absolutely hilarious and really insightful book called How to Break Up With Your Phone mm. by Catherine Price. And I love the title. Mm. I think it's just so brilliant and one of the things that she talks about in the book is the dopamine aspect yeah. of so social does, media so does jared nenia and he he talks about how it's the same with a heroin addict mm-hmm. or an alcoholic um it's the same type of thing this need to feel validated the need to have likes needs to have followers yeah and it's how it's destroying your capacity for empathy because what you're doing is just sort of trying to cram experience of your life onto social media if it didn't happen on social media, then it didn't happen in real life kind of experience. And it, yeah. And, um, and Kirsty Young in that amazing episode of Fern Cotton's yes. uh, Happy Place. So good. She talks about how for so many people, it's not what you're doing, it's what you've done. Mm-hmm. So unless you've recorded it and you've got mm-hmm. your photograph, which has hundred likes happen. on Instagram, then it didn't happen. Right. But ironically, if you're constantly focused on recording the moment then you're not living in the moment absolutely and also crucially that the algorithms designed by google and facebook which are controlling all of these platforms determine what you see yes um a control aspect i find really scary and uh, a really good question in the audience um was to jaron lanyan and they said you know what do we do for our children because they're growing up in this environment where social media is very normal and and he said i have an 11 year old daughter he used to work in silicon valley and he take he took her to instagram hq and facebook hq and he said look these people are purposefully making these platforms in order to for you to be addicted to them and apparently all of the ceo of insta and like all the officials were like yep Yep, that's literally what we're doing. And we wow. want you to be more miserable so that you'll <gasps> keep coming back to us because that's how we're going to get oh my gosh. you back to us. And well, I've, they, they, Catherine Price talks about that as well, how yeah. Bill Gates and Melinda Gates didn't give their children phones until they were 14. Wow. There are yeah. loads of other CEOs and CIOs and all of the senior management of these big tech companies, they don't let their children have iPads and phones and access to social media. Mm. And just to that point of well, as they're being created in order for you to be addicted and spend more and more time there's a great um person who used to work for google and he's written a book and he's done several articles on this and he talks about the age of attention and that 
essentially what all of these social media platforms and loads of companies in general now are competing for our attention. And Netflix even lists sleep as a competitor. No. Yeah. No. Because if you're sleeping, then but you're not watching Netflix. But that's actually so true, though. It's so true, I do, right? I do my sleeping time watching Netflix. Yeah. Um, my mum is addicted to The Crown at the moment, which I'm mm. really satisfied by because I've been telling her to watch it for a very long time. I said that to my dad as well, and it was hilarious yes. because he then said, oh, I'm watching this really good series. It's called The Crown. And oh, said, well, yes. about time. Yes, and I also was the one who told her <laughs> to watch that. Yes. <laughs> so my question to you is... Would you delete all of your social media accounts today? And if not, what is stopping you? LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, go. Oh, good question. Okay, so I have actually turned off all of my notifications. But it's not the same. No, I know it's, it's not, not the, the same. same. Because, y- y- yes, you're you're not seeing the notifications, but your page and your thing is still out there. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking about that. I'm talking about deleting that, having no presence from that, whether you see the notification or not. No, is my answer, because mm-hmm. I have had I have had a lot of very positive experiences and mm-hmm. meeting up with people in real life mm-hmm. that would not have happened if I had not had those social mm-hmm. media platforms. So in Which is Aus- a very positive act. In Australia, I had I met up with my cousin and an old family friend, both because I saw photographs on Instagram mm-hmm. and I otherwise wouldn't have known about that. We had an amazing Facebook experience in Bali. Would you like to tell that story? Oh my god, this was amazing. <laughs> um, so I arrived in Ubud, which is in the middle of Bali. Uh, I had had obviously a very long journey to Denpasar, got to the airport, I was so tired, so jet lagged, got into the taxi, I had about a three hour drive, it was exhausting. I just could not wait to go to sleep. I was sort of at the end of my tether in terms of travelling. I reached behind me to get something out of my bag in the last 10 minutes of the journey. And very quickly do I realise that that's not my bag. I see Charlotte. Charlotte and I haven't seen each other in about three and a half months. We had had so much time leading up to this trip. And she was obviously very excited to see me and we would have dinner and, you know, just catch up. And I was just in pieces about my bag and very stressed. And she just said, it's fine. We'll just find them on Facebook. And I thought, oh my God, of course, of course. <laughs> I had been calling the airline, they were no use. I called the airport and they were like, you just have to come back here in person. So we start messaging people with the same name that we, we had. We said, what, five, six, seven? We just found everyone with that name. We just, yeah, we sent about four <laughs> or five messages with, uh, to, the, to anyone with a Facebook account with the same name as the bag, baggage tag. And as we were doing that, uh, this woman messaged me and she said, are you Georgia Parkin? Have you lost a bag? I said, yes. She said, my boyfriend has also lost a bag. I think you've got the same bag. And I just thought, oh my God, yes. And I said, are you in Bali? She said, yes. And she, and she said, where are you? I said, I'm in Ubud. And Charlotte said, this is Ubud. Everything works, works here. out here. Mm. And I didn't believe her, obviously, because I just come from the London mania and I didn't understand but it's true. the Ubud magic. <laughs> and it turns out that they were also in Ubud and they were literally five minutes away from us. Yeah, so we just swapped the bags. We just swapped the bags. And so it's things like that where I think that they can actually do what they are supposed to do or what their philosophy is that they connect people. Mm. I also think that they can be very dangerous mm. and that you can be completely sucked into it and you yeah. can waste so much time. Yeah. So having read this book, How to Break Up Your Phone, I made quite a few changes. I turned off notifications. I put everything into a folder, which just creates a little bit more friction. So if I am choosing to look at it, I'm making that 
choice mm -hmm. and it has definitely cut down the amount of time that I wanted to spend on those platforms and at first it feels very uncomfortable and then you get used to it and then you just really like it and it's even things like turning my phone to silent and having no vibrate when it's on silent so if it's on silent it is genuinely on silent and I can't mm. hear anything or see anything that was also really uncomfortable and then it just you get used to it and it's better yeah. Well, I deleted um, Instagram off my phone and Facebook off my phone for a week. I've done that for weeks at a time. Mm. Uh, and that's really amazing to not be on Instagram for a week. It's actually so liberating. This digital detox, which is becoming it's a very trendy so thing now. It's so liberating. And then when, I, when the week ended and I had to, you know, I could technically go back on it, I was sort of avoiding it because I didn't want to... And it wasn't... It's not that I follow anyone who's particularly offensive. I, no. Or inflammatory. I just... I just didn't want to participate yeah. in it. And I think having this podcast and wanting to promote it is really interesting in that, in the sense that I want to promote it. I want people to, to hear about it. But at the same time, I kind of don't want to engage on those platforms as yeah, much. Yeah, I agree. And, and the balance of that is so tricky. It is. Yeah. The third figure that we're going to talk about today is upskirting. So I imagine lots of you will have seen this in the news this week, but if you haven't, it is basically when somebody takes a photograph up a woman's skirt, mm -hmm. this currently is not an illegal offence in England and Wales. It was made illegal in Scotland in 2009. Really? Yeah. Oh my God, go Scotland. So basically Gina Martin, um, who is an amazing, amazing woman, who is our She's age. so inspiring. Um, so lovely as well. We met her after a recording of The Guilty Feminist. Um, and she had an experience last summer where she was at a concert in Hyde Park and this guy was hitting on her and wouldn't take no for an answer, basically, and then took a photo up her skirt and she noticed it. She was, I think she saw it being sent on WhatsApp. Yeah. And then she noticed that was what me. she was wearing. Yeah. That was me. Yeah. And she grabbed his phone and ran to the security. And she describes it as, you know, those nightmares where you've got people chasing you. Mm -hmm. And that was really powerful because I, I, I would be, I think I'd be too terrified to do that. Like I'd take a certain person yeah. to, to really stand up for that. And she went to the police and the police basically said to her, well, we've deleted the photo, but, there's no criminal offence here because that's not against the law. They haven't taken a photo of your genitalia. Because she was wearing underwear. Because she was wearing underwear, so there's nothing we can do about it. Mm -hmm. Which is And I think she went home and she felt disappointed and violated and all mm. of those things that you would feel if that had happened to you. Kind of shameful. Yeah, but also mm. sort of accepting what had happened. And then a few days later she thought, actually, this is, this is not really yeah. ridiculous. And she put it on Facebook. And this is another positive, powerful thing about social media. Yeah, they, you know, it's an extreme platform. There yeah. are some things which are not so good about it, but there are also some really powerful things about mm. it. And this whole campaign went viral. She now has a petition. Um, and she's had so many politicians of all parties backing her. Mm -hmm. um, loads of news outlets like ITV and BBC. And it's incredible because it's going to be passed. Mm -hmm. um, Friday was a particular... So Friday was the 15th of June, I believe. Yes, yeah. And that was a particularly good day in the sense that all of the House of Lords had was, was going to pass the bill, the Prime Minister was behind it. 
We went for its second reading. Second reading, and there's one MP named... Christopher Chope. Christopher Chope. Uh, blocked it. Blocked it. And he, he did that. To it. He did that on principle. It wasn't about upskirting law. He didn't know much about the upskirting law, but he blocked it on principle that it hadn't been debated in the House of Lords and that it should be because all laws that are passed should be debated. Um, and he and did my this... retort against that is, yeah. are you serious? I know. What needs to be debated no, when it comes to taking I photographs know. of a woman's skirt? I know. There is no debate. He also has a 27-year-old daughter who, you know, could be in this very situation herself. Yeah. And I just felt... I just thought, oh, my God, the... Conservative Party are not helping themselves at all. Mm. If you want to appeal to a younger voter, if you want to appeal to the mass population, why do this? This is ridiculous. But I, I would say that I don't think that he is representative in any way of the Tory party because no. the reaction from fellow Tory MPs was deep embarrassment. Mm. And including the Prime Minister. The yeah, Prime Minister, the Prime Minister. Uh, as soon and as that happened, the Prime Minister tweeted immediately saying that this was going to be passed. Yeah. And one of my favourite things that happened, did you see that there was a, uh, an MP called Lorna Rees oh. who put Nicker Bunting across his office door in Dorset? <laughs> and he, <laughs> him, so she had put underwear and it just was on a big line oh. across his office. And I just thought, that is amazing. But I just... Yeah. Twitter blew up over mm-hmm. this. Be the good th- news is that we have just read a Twitter update from Gina Martin to say that he has been persuaded to change yeah. his mind. So it will be going ahead, finally. I think a lot of people's reactions were, were I didn't even know that this was not illegal. How is this still... I think so. And the answer to that is that we've never before in history had a time where we've had a handheld camera that can be you know, easily can take a photo of someone's up their skirt or wherever. And the law, yeah, the law needs to change with the times that we are living. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think for an MP to block this is just preposterous. The other thing is that he also, on the same day, blocked Mm. greater protection for police horses and police dogs. And in the past, he's blocked same-sex marriage, minimum wage... Um, free hospital parking for carers oh, and a whole other host of other really important bills. So he's quite extreme right wing. And I just don't understand. Why is he... He has a knighthood. I know. Gina Martin needs to get to be a dame. <gasps> yes, we need Gina Martin <laughs> to be a dame. Oh, my God. Oh. What I really love... So, as Georgia said, we met her at yeah. the, after the live recording of this uh, Guilty Feminist episode, which is about normalising things, which is another interesting topic that they mm-hmm. they linked it to because I think that, in general this sort of behaviour that women are subject to a lot, and particularly at festivals, Definitely. I think, is that that's a really... Not even festivals, nights out. Yeah. Just generally, like... I think it can any be kind of bad at festivals. ...experience. And, and actually, it's not all men. Mm. I would never make a sweeping statement for that. Not at all. Um, a lot of my close friends are appalled oh, by yeah, the completely. stories that They're I tell horrified. them. Yeah, horrified by the stories that I tell them. It's just that that can happen to a lot. And it's just normal to me now. Yeah. Like, I'm, I expect it. Yeah, which is really sad. Yeah. And I really hope that there's a point where we don't expect it. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, yeah, so we met her and she was just so sweet and she came up and she gave us a big hug she and she so looked lovely. fierce. 
so amazing. Yeah, <gasps> really gorgeous outfit. She in had two satin, different. It was a satin red outfit. It was like a red it? and oh, pink, and she had flames on her trousers, and then she had one pink uh, stiletto and one red stiletto, and she just looked amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Um, but she was so genuine. She was so, so passionate genuine. about it. And we also saw her again at this event about, um, called Revolt Sexual Assault, which yeah. we will be talking about in a future episode. Mm-hmm. And again, she was saying how anyone can be an activist. You've mm. got to choose something that you are really passionate about and you've got to choose something that you're good at. And so send she... Send lots of emails. <laughs> send lots of emails. Yeah. And she was very good at social media and she mm. was very passionate about this issue. Mm-hmm. And she's teamed up with this guy called Ryan who we are both absolutely in love with. Yes, in love with Ryan. <laughs> um, who's this great big Scottish lawyer who has taken this on as, I think, his passion project. Yeah, I think so. So I think that his law firm give a certain amount of time that yeah. they can take to do something which is yeah. for their greater social good. Absolutely. Um, um, I was talking to, uh, depth with my stepfather about this. He is a lawyer. He's been a lawyer his whole life. And he was so pro... Um, the upskirting law being passed and he was so um, could not believe that this Tory MP had passed it. He also explained to me how the House of Commons bill, how it works and you have to have all of the House mm-hmm. of Laws approved before you can pass the bill. Um, and it just, I just, I was really encouraged by the fact that it doesn't matter what age you are, what party you are, that everyone can agree on this. And it leads me on to my question to you. What has been normalised that shouldn't be normal? Wolf whistling and cat calling and feeling as though yeah. it's a very normal thing to cross the road because there's a group of people who have made you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. But I would say that I've also changed the way that I approach those situations now. So when I went to Sri Lanka, being a blonde white woman attracts attention Mm -hmm. and my approach became that I would just smile I would speak to people I would say hello I would remind everyone who was sort of staring that I'm not a zoo animal and that I do have a voice (laughs) and I think that the same can be said for anyone who is catcalling or wolf whistling or whatever that when you put your shoulders back and you put your head up and you don't just look at your feet and shuffle along and make yourself small that you actually own your space. And I think that you will come away from those situations feeling so much better in yourself as well because you do feel confident. So I don't know that the petition is still open, but if it is, I'm sure that more signatures would be welcome. And just giving your support to Gina Martin on Twitter and on Instagram. She is... Go and tweet to her. She's amazing. She's fantastic. And we need so many more people like her in the world who are spreading their message and making change happen yeah thank you so much for listening to the fifth episode of the figure podcast we so appreciate all of your support and your feedback it's been amazing uh charlotte and i have enjoyed it so much and we just want to say thank you and we would also like to ask you to uh, rate, review and subscribe when you have finished yes. listening to this because yes. it really does help other people find the podcast. Yes. And also, please check out my brother's page. He is amazing. He's the most patient, most understanding <laughs> human ever. Yep. Uh, so Teddy is uh, an incredible artist himself at Century P. Please go check him out. Please go subscribe to him as well. Um, he 
produces each episode every week and we're so grateful for him so grateful yeah and the final thing that we would like to do is just to give a very quick update on the justice for nora campaign which we talked about Mm -hmm. in the first episode and a couple of the other episodes um for anyone who hasn't listened to those so far she is a 19 year old sudanese woman who has recently been sentenced to death for killing her husband who raped her and in self-defense in self-defense she was it was in self-defense yeah um and the members of the European Parliament are working on a resolution of her case. Mm -hmm. So there is no further information so far, but we will keep sharing the updates on this. And we're hoping, as we said last week, that no news is good news. If you haven't already signed the petition, please do, because every name is another voice to add against this injustice. Go and sign that. It takes two seconds. Yes. So until next week. Until next week. Bye-bye.